everyone. Welcome to Well Then, a podcast about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. I'm super excited to welcome you all back for day four of our special series on this show, all about breast implant illness and women who've decided to get their implants removed. Today's guest is a special one who is here to share her story about her expat plant process um, and also is somebody that I can really relate to as she takes a really holistic approach to wellness. Sarah Ann Stewart was thrown into the world of wellness as a teenager when her father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Her family made a choice to fight back with alternative medicine. Seven months later, her father was declared cancer-free and a spark was lit in Sarah that propelled her to dedicate her life to spreading the healings her family had discovered. Today, as an integrative nutrition health coach, through AADP, Sarah runs a leading private coaching practice with a focus on permanent weight loss. Her heart-centered approach has supported hundreds to lose weight naturally without crash dieting. Sarah is the founder of the Awesome Inside Out Movement, author of the e-course Meditate Slim, and an advisor to international, international wellness brands. When not at home in Los Angeles, she can be found leading transformative wellness experiences around the globe. She is here today to share her story with us about her journey with breast implant illness and why she decided to explant. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. It's such an important conversation that we need to be having, so honored to be here. It is. Yeah. And again, thank you for, for being willing to share your story. I know you've already shared it online, but I, I know that I think we can both agree this is something that the more we talk about, the better, because mm-hmm. more women will get access to hearing these important stories and this important information. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important that we we all, you know, whoever is suffering from breast implant illness or any sort of medical device that we start having this conversation more and more. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd love to kind of set the stage for everybody listening um, and just kick off your story with um, maybe starting starting with when when did you first make the decision to get implants and, and what was the motivation behind that in the first place? Yeah, so it's really interesting and it's a it's a story that I had so much shame about for a very long time. I ended up getting implants, not telling anyone I got them. Um, most people never knew that I ever had them. <laughs> and so when I came out with the story that I had implants and that I got in the, that I got sick from them, it was a shock for most people, including <laughs> my friends and so forth. So um, I decided to get implants at the end of my modeling career when my career was kind of coming to a standstill. Um, I had worked in editorial for quite some time in New York, and I had always been able to maintain a certain size. Um, and as I got older, obviously your body changes and Um, I was no longer able to, through suffering from eating disorders and so forth, I realized that I couldn't sustain this size anymore. And so I wanted to transition my career and try to actually sustain and and maintain my modeling career for a little bit longer. Um, And so I decided to basically overnight get implants. I I made the decision. I went to the doctor two weeks later, you know, I'm signing signing the docs, going in and out pretty much by myself. Um, and what was so shameful about it was like, I called home to my dad and I said, Hey, I need you to sell my car. And this was something that I had never called home for money before. And and my dad was like, are you in trouble? Is something wrong? Mm. And I was like, no, nothing's wrong. And then, and then I ended up telling him later on what, what I needed the money for. Um, but to, yeah, for many, many years, for almost a decade, I never had told that story to anyone. I had never shared 
really what the reason was for my implants. I literally got them in and then started working three or four days later. It was just like an overnight thing. I didn't think about it. Um, it was something that I was just like, this is what I need to do for my career. Um, and obviously, you know, when you're in the modeling career, trying to maintain a certain size that isn't natural for your own body type, um, it doesn't matter if you have implants or it doesn't matter how much plastic surgery you have, your career is going to come to an end at a certain point because of burnout. And, you know, and that's basically what happened to me. I, I ended up hitting rock bottom, being told by a doctor that my life was at stake if I didn't make some serious changes. Um, and I ended up leaving the modeling industry transitioning into a career in nutrition and wellness, which is <laughs> very opposite. <laughs> and people are like, how did you make this change? And, um, and often, you know, often that happens, right? Where we, we go from one extreme to the next because we're actually yeah. trying to cure ourselves of our own sickness. And so for me, I dove into health and wellness and really just was like, okay, it's time to finally take care of myself. And through multiple years of meditation, mindfulness, reprogramming my subconscious mind, healing my own eating disorders, and then also studying the nutrition side of it, I was able to develop a, a protocol and practice that I work now through and like a formula for that I help women heal their own eat, disordered eating and really shifting their relationship with food in their body. So it's been a journey for sure. And the breast implant illness and having breast implants and undergoing multiple procedures for changing my body was something that I'm now very open to talking about. Um, but for many years, it, it definitely drove a lot of shame that I didn't even know was there until I finally had to confront it. I think that's so important that you share that because I, I relate to that so much. I, For me personally, in my story, I experienced a lot of shame in getting implants and kind of something similar where I did it very impulsively and not a lot of people in my life knew that I had done it. So when I finally came out and said, I'm getting these out, people were like, what? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you had them in in the first place. Um, And I feel like that's so important to address is like the, the shame around the conversation and the fact that so many women are feeling driven to do something that, that brings them shame in the first place, but aren't taking pause to, to think like, wow, if this is making me feel so ashamed and so deeply, um, you know, wrong for making this decision, why am I doing it in the first place? Yeah, it's a really strange way that our mind operates, right? Because it's like we want them to feel better about ourselves. And then when we have them, we're shameful of them. It's really interesting. I One of my best friends is European and she, she was like, it's so interesting to me because in Europe, everyone is just on the beach, you know, they don't even wear bikini tops. They're super open about their bodies of all different sizes. And it's very natural to just be, be open and free. And and that's kind of how culturally she was raised. And she's like, it's so interesting to me that people spend all this money on these implants and then hide behind them. Mm -hmm. And really it's this internal validation or this internal experience of what they want. And I know this isn't true for all women. Of course, some women get them and they, you know, are very comfortable sharing about them and, and really, really enjoy them. And I can say full honesty that I liked having my implants. Like that's something that, that I definitely, you know, did enjoy having implants in. And and I think that that's another conversation that we need to, if we're going to get them, like be okay with that and be okay with having them. Um, And that was something that, you know, I, yes, of course I liked, I liked the way they looked and I loved the vanity side of it and the ego side of it. But when I looked deeper, I realized that that was being fueled by actual 
pain and suffering and a lack of validation and self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence that was all wounding from my childhood. It, it really had nothing to do with the modeling industry. Um, and I, till this day, will never, ever tell anyone not to get implants, but I will tell them, you know, I would recommend personally waiting six six months to a year, getting a coach, really looking at where is the wounding coming from? What is the reason behind them? Why do you want to get them? Um, is it self-worth, self-esteem, self-validation? And, and what do you feel like is missing in your life to have that experience because, or to have that feeling? Because those feelings we can actually have now. We don't need to change anything yeah. about ourselves. Um, and so a lot of times what happens is once women dive into the deeper work, then they're much more likely to not get them uh, because they're healing the wound in which that they were trying to heal with the implant. Um, and again, maybe there isn't a wound that needs to be healed and maybe, maybe it's just a personal choice and you definitely want them. But, but I do think waiting six, six months, a year and really diving into the personal development side of it, because that was my truth. I was chasing a career. I was chasing the ego of being in pictures and being validated by people that weren't even my friends, like agents and and um, casting directors that I had no clue even who they were, but like that was my hit of self-esteem versus looking within mm -hmm. and saying, wow, why can't I give this to myself? Like what is my story that's holding me back from being able to offer this experience to myself or this emotion in this moment? And as I started to do the work and peel back the layers, I realized that, that there was no reason not to be able to give these things to myself and, and that having implants wasn't going to change the trajectory of what I wanted to attract and manifest and create in my life. Yeah, I think that so many of the things that you, you've touched on um, so far and that we'll continue to dive into in this conversation, like um, eating disorders, being in the modeling industry, getting implants or plastic surgery in general, to your point, are oftentimes symptoms of these deeper childhood woundings. And mm -hmm. sometimes, yes, like women just want to, to get plastic surgery or get implants that's coming from a healthier place and they own it and they feel good about it. But I think more often than not, they think that's the case. Mm -hmm. And then if you do do the deeper work of, of looking at the deeper layers of what's going on, there's some, there's some programming there mm -hmm. that's maybe not your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so many say, things. I think it's really important to look at like on the other side of the implants, what do you think you're going to manifest? And so it's like, is the implant going to give you the partner of your dreams? Is the implant going to give you the house, the wet picket fence, the financial stability, the job? You know, a lot of times what breaks my heart is women um, lack the self-confidence. I think it's like a massive percentage of women who don't even show up for their first interview because they don't feel good in their body. And so is it the job that is on the other side of the implant? And if it is, um, that's something to really look at and, and discern whether or not that that is truth. And it's not, it's an illusion. It's an illusion of our mind based on a story that is operating from media, cultural conditioning, childhood conditioning, how we were raised, um, and it's time, I think, as a culture that we start to sh change the story of we have to have a body to be X, to have X, to attract X, to create the life we want, because it's just not true. Right. There's so much focus on our appearance and our body being the most important thing about us, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so 
I just like to, I like to just start debunking this, these myths that we, that we're holding and operating from and um, really helping women figure out like what, what, where are you operating from? Why are you operating from that place? And then what is the new story that you're going to put into uh, replace that old story that you're operating from? So you speak pretty openly online about your struggles with an eating disorder and, and having been in the, the modeling industry um, and how you overcame that. When you kind of look back on these, these chapters of your life and these lessons you've learned, do you think that there's a pretty strong connection or correlation between um, struggling with an eating disorder and this mm -hmm. desire to get plastic surgery in, in sort of like the body dysmorphia conversation? Do you think those two are related? Definitely. I mean, I think, I think whether it was Botox, lip injections, dyeing my hair, cutting my hair, um, you know, cool sculpting, losing weight, get it, whatever it was, it didn't matter, you know, like <laughs> laser hair removal, plastic surgery, you know, getting my nose fixed, like getting my teeth straightened, getting my teeth whitened, like it doesn't matter what it is. It's always to seek something, you know, outside of yourself if it's mm. if if it's and and I don't mean that like I don't mean like if you go and get your hair done and you feel really great that there's a problem with that of course like I love wearing makeup I love get, putting heels on I even talk about how like you get that boost of confidence but it's becoming aware of the fact that those things are giving you something again that you can give yourself and so for me many many years of my life it was all of those things that gave me that hit that like dopamine hit that like feel good hit that I was validated I was someone um, that, you know, seeked approval outside of myself and outside of my community and my friends and my family and the people that really deeply mattered to me. It was always like seeking this approval outside of those people. And, um, I'm fortunate, like when I was modeling, there wasn't the world of Instagram then, but I think that that this has translated to Instagram and social media quite a bit where we're putting a life up that doesn't really uh, reflect who we truly are. And it doesn't really reflect, honestly, like our authentic self. And we're seeking the likes and the, that, that dopamine hit. And so I think a lot of the modeling fashion industry now that those sort of feelings have been translated to the average American because of, because of social media. And that's my biggest concern is like these young girls who their entire day's worth is dictated by the number on the scale how many likes they get, if their friends like their posts. Um, and I think culturally we have to start changing this conversation because statistically the eating disorder statistics, disordered eating statistics, the obesity statistics, they're not getting any better. And I believe that the missing link is mindfulness meditation, connecting within, finding our inner truth. Because if you look statistically at what is available to us, Nutrition information is more available than ever before. You know, knowing what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, and what's good for our well-being, and the simple things we need to do to be well, again, we have more access to that information than ever before, yet we're not doing those things because we're seeking the quick fix, we're seeking the instant hit, we're seeking the, um, you know, designer clothes and all these things. And, and again, I'm not like shaming anyone for wanting these things because I to, you know, wear makeup and do my hair and so forth. But it's like, it's like, can you have the same self-worth in your yoga clothes as you do dressed up to go out for the night? And that's where I think the conversation needs to be led.
I'm so glad that you brought that to the table because that's actually something that has come up in a couple of my conversations with other women within this series is like, okay, how do we strike that balance? Obviously, Mm -hmm. plastic surgery is on one extreme end of the spectrum of wanting Mm -hmm. to change something about yourself Mm -hmm. to get that hit, to feel better, to feel more confident, whatever it is. And so I think some women then tend to want to... um, overcorrect mm-hmm. and say, well, then maybe I shouldn't do anything. Maybe I shouldn't do my hair, my eyebrows, whatever, like wear makeup. Um, like where is the line drawn? Where is it okay to change things about our appearance? And I, I think that you put that really beautifully that like, mm-hmm. it's okay to want to do those things. It's okay if they do give you that hit, if they, they make you feel a certain way, but to also know that you can source those feelings for yourself without having to change anything. And you're so much more than that. Right. Like that doesn't change who you are intrinsically. A hundred percent. And I think there's a very interesting, uh, I don't want to say, you know, lack of understanding, but there's this idea, like you said earlier about, well, if I can't look a certain way, then like, screw it. I don't care. I'm just going to, again, wear yoga clothes all day and like stay in bed and not take care of myself. And that isn't self-worth either. Like self-worth, self-esteem, self-love is being very comfortable and in love with who you are today and still wanting to find this place in yourself where you're like, I want to grow. I want to be inspired. I want to be creative. I want to take care of my body, this vehicle, this vessel of who I am on this planet. And when I feel alive and embodied in my worthiness, I'm going to eat clean food and move and drink water and sleep and meditate and be mindful and find a community of people I love and find a spiritual practice or religious practice or whatever that connection to sources for you. Um, And I'm going to find purpose and like a mission to be here on this planet. And so I think we have to be very careful when we talk about self-love because oftentimes it's translated as like, well, if I love myself, like I'm just going to eat that pizza and drink the diet soda and not go to the gym and not move this week and give up on life. And like, that is not self-love. Self-love is really operating from this place of like, I find value in who I am today. I am perfectly perfect as I am. And I still want to become a better version of myself because I only have this life. And that means becoming that best version that I can. And so I, yeah, it gets very tricky when we have these conversations. And I think, um, I think it's really important to continue to come back to what is your truth, tapping your own intuition, hearing your own experience, shutting out the noise, shutting out the influence, turning off social media for a while, connecting within, connecting to your own ability to listen to yourself. Because, you know, even, even I can speak full transparency, like even when I knew deep down at the core of who I was that my implants were making me sick, I denied that truth. And that's denying my own self-love and my own worth for a healthy body. And so for many, many months, I denied the fact that like your body is not happy and healthy with these implants in, and you're going to care more about vanity and ego. And I was doing very much on a subconscious level. Like I didn't even realize I was shutting out the truth. Um, and then once I became aware of it, I was like, this isn't, this isn't who I am as a person, who I am as a person is someone who cares for their body. Mm-hmm. And that means getting these implants out because I, because I personally was sick. Yeah. I mean, 
That's, I, I think it's so important we shift to, to that part of the conversation as well. And I love that we are able to put the focus on both sides of the coin and, mm -hmm. you know, first looking at, okay, what, why are we, why are we getting implants in the first place? Why are we cutting open our bodies to change something about ourselves? What are the societal and cultural conversations and norms mm -hmm. that have, have made that okay? But then now looking at this bigger conversation that has been getting more press and more attention lately is what happens once these implants are actually mm -hmm. in our body mm -hmm. um, and, and the conversation surrounding breast implant illness. So for you, when did you first start to realize yeah. that something was off and what were some of those symptoms that you were experiencing? Yeah. So I, uh, the first thing that I like actually noticed to be off, and again, I think the challenge, and if you're listening to this, I, I'm assuming that this has probably been the case for most women is we don't know how good we're supposed to actually feel because mm -hmm. we don't have a baseline for that. And so for many, many years we could feel off, but like not actually realize that there's a level of well-being that's like so much greater than currently where we are. So for me, like I think for many years after the modeling industry, I felt like something was off because I had been addicted to laxatives. My entire digestive system was completely messed up from, from years of abusing my body. My weight was going up and down. And so I can't say that I had basically connected the dots that like it could be my implants. I, for many years, thought it was my eating disorders. Um, but then as I started to get well and I really started to feel good in my body, I started to notice the first time was in Tulum. I woke up in the middle of night with a panic attack and my heart was racing and I was having heart palpitations. And I turned to my now husband and said, like, something is wrong. Like something's very wrong. And he started calling doctors and he was panicking. And I'm like, no, like I don't have panic attacks in the middle of the night. Like this is insane that my heart is like racing to this extent. And we almost left Tulum. I ended up feeling better the next day. And then from that day forward, I started waking up every night consistently with heart palpitations. I started to get brain fog, memory loss, tingling in my hands, tingling in my armpits, um, pain under my um, pain under my armpits, neck pain, joint pain, to the point where, like, I started to really get terrified because I was going to all these doctors that specialized in different things, but no one was connecting the dots that like something was wrong that was impacting every area of my body. And so like I would go to a heart doctor, I would go to a neck specialist, I, you know, all these different doctors and even the functional medicine doctors were sending me to specialists um, and no one was connecting the dots. And so for many months I did testing, nothing showed up crazy. My thyroid again looked pretty normal and they thought that potentially it was thyroid. And then there was some guess of like fibromyalgia or maybe lupus because lupus runs in my family, but nothing like concrete in my testing. And as people started to throw out these autoimmune conditions, I started to get very fearful. Um, and then the biggest sign for me was when I, I was like, well, let me just get to a baseline of like getting rid of all the supplements that I'm taking, getting rid of, because at that point I was taking so many supplements. I was doing IVs, glutathione mm -hmm. injections, like all of these things to basically keep my energy up. Um, and when I basically cut them out for a couple of weeks, when I went to India, I got super, super sick. And I remember thinking like, this is not okay. And luckily like divine synchronicity happened. I came back, I went to a doctor in Beverly Hills and she, she was like, we can keep covering up your problem 
or you can walk across the street and get your implants out. Mm. And like, this was the first time a doctor had said that to me. And I, and I have a lot of, um, a lot of respect for her. And like, you know, because most doctors do not want to have this conversation. It's like, they're so uncomfortable with having the conversation about asking a woman to take her implants out or encouraging it that for her to like empower me to do this was amazing. And also I can imagine for other women, very triggering. And then I went and got my implants out. And then from that day forward, I started to feel better. It took a year to really, really see the massive, massive difference. And today I would say I see symptoms here and there pop up, but um, it's been like a year and a half. And, and I would say like 90% better, 95% better. Did you have the experience that like, you know, some women have described when they wake up from surgery, they feel this massive alleviation Mm. of their symptoms? Yeah. Like when I, I think for me, it was more of an emotional release. Um, I, like I had so much stored anger inside of me towards myself because I had chosen to get these implants. I had chosen to not look into the consequences of them. I couldn't blame the doctor. I can't blame anyone. It was my choice. I sold my car. I paid for them. I went in, I went out. I didn't talk to anyone about them. I didn't share my experience. Um, And I had denied the truth that they were making me sick for many months. And so for me, I had a lot of anger that like I had gotten to this place where I was laying in this hospital bed like, you know, cut open with all of these like packs on my chest. And for me, it was just such an emo- emotional release of like, it's, this is over, you know, this yeah. is done. like, I can let this go. I can forgive myself. I can put this behind me. Um, it's part of my journey. I'm going to learn from it. I have compassion now. I, I can hold that compassion for other women and hold space for them going through it. Um, but I no longer need to allow this like anger of what I did to be inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I would say I immediately felt, yeah, I immediately felt lighter for sure. I immediately felt lighter. My vision definitely improved almost overnight. Um, And my panic attacks went away. Like the the ones where I would wake up in the middle of the night, like sweating and sobbing and like panicking. And it was the weirdest thing because it was very, very consistent. Those went away, which was such a eye-opener to me that like something was going on on such a deep level of the physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Yeah. Um, and these are symptoms you can't describe. Like if you, if you go to a therapist and tell them you're having a panic attacks, I doubt 99% of them are going to say, oh, it's because you have implants in. Right. Like most of them are going to say, oh, you probably have trauma from your child. Childhood, mm-hmm. it's probably PTSD. Something probably happened that you don't remember. Let's do some hypnosis and figure it out. And at that point, I had I had done so much internal work. Like I was like, I don't. I've done so much healing on my trauma. Like I don't think maybe maybe it could be that. But the fact that they like went away almost immediately was like such a such a profound sign to me that yeah. these are making series of women, thousands of women, really really sick. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so clear. Uh, there's, you know, so many women whose stories mirror that, that like mm-hmm. they get their implants out and the symptoms just go away. Mm-hmm. And how long did you have your implants in for? I had them in for almost a decade, so about nine years. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. a long time. Yeah, and they were, um, and a lot of people ask, like, what kind were they? And, you know, like after doing the extensive amount of research, I, I just think we have to 
really make it clear. And, and I think doctors need to make it clear that it doesn't matter what type they are. Mine were the silicone gel, but I don't, I've heard from women of all different types of implants who have all had symptoms. I mean, after I started sharing my story, I was just, I was in awe. Like I would cry at night just reading these women's stories and I still get dozens every single day of women who are like, I don't know what to do. Should I get them out? I don't have the money. I don't know what detox protocol. And that's something else I've been really, really open about, which I think women who don't have them yet need to hear is like, when I got them in, I didn't have financial resource. Like I, I, I was really like day, like paying month to month in New York, living there and so forth. I didn't have like a ton of savings. And, um, and you know, I'm very fortunate now that I've built a business and I financially am successful enough to be able to pay to get them out and to do all the detoxing. Um, but but we don't think about that. Like I, no one told me when I got them in, hey, someday down the road, you're going to have to come up with another X amount of tens of thousands of dollars to detox your body, to mm-hmm. get them out, to get the explant, to get the lift, to to have them reconstructed. Like no one tells you that when you're going to get them in. And so again, it's not to, to, to you know, tell people not to do it, but just to be responsible and think about the consequence of like, if you're putting it on a credit card now, what's going to happen in 10 months, 10 years when you do want to get them out, like just having this conversation in your mind and addressing these topics and being open and having the conversations that we don't want to have now, right? Like, like Mm -hmm. it's such an avoidant conversation of like, well, I'll just deal with it then. And that's kind of culturally what we do. It's like, I'll deal with it then I'll deal with my health then maybe someday I'm going to take care of myself when I need to, when I get sick. But like I'm seeing women getting sick four months after getting them in, a year after getting them in, six years, 10, 20 years, 30. Like, you know, some women have them in for two and a half decades. Um, And so we don't know, you don't know what, how your body will respond, but it's, it's about being educated and saying, okay, can I financially pay to get them out? And do I have the resource where if I do want to get them out, I can detox my body um, and and have them reconstructed to back to how they were? And, and that's a challenging conversation to have with people. Um, I know it's very, very triggering and I speak from so much compassion and love because it's something that most people don't want to hear, right? It's like, no, I need to get them in today because my partner wants them. It's like, right. well, what's going to happen in 10 years? And do you want to be with that partner <laughs> like for the rest of your life if he only loves you if you look a certain way? Right. Like, those are the conversations we need to be having. And those are the conversations no one wants to have. <laughs> right. We're such an instant gratification society. And, we, you know, we want what we want right now because we think it's going to make us feel better mm-hmm. in the moment, but also long term when, when, to your point, we're not really thinking about what's going to happen down the road, whether or not you'll be with that partner or in that industry anymore, mm-hmm. or thinking about the health ramifications that putting these foreign objects in our body have. And like, are you going to be not only financially prepared to deal with that, but like emotionally and physically prepared because it's so taxing. Yeah. And another thing we're not talking about is which I think is because I, I honestly feel like it's because one doctors haven't had the awareness of breast implant illness until recently. And thank God for social media, because that's what, because women have spoken out is really what has made this a massive worldwide conversation. 
Um, but we're not talking about the impl- implications on pregnancy. We're not talking about how it impacts mm-hmm. getting pregnant. We're not talking about how it impacts miscarriages. We're not talking about how it t- toxifies the body. Um, and if you have the MTFR gene, it can be even more detrimental to your health. Like these are not conversations we're having yet because there's not been enough research and because it's not medically you know, recognized as an actual problem yet. And even though the FDA is starting to recognize that, it's like, you know, if someone said to me, you're not going to be able to get pregnant when you want to get pregnant and you're going to have to wait another mm. year. When I was 23, 23-ish and got them in, I probably would have rethought that decision. Yep. Like if I could have fast forwarded my life and they would have said, hey, you know, at that, at, when you want to get pregnant, you're not going to be able to because you're going to be sick. Like then we start to really think about the impact, right? And it's really, it's really breaks my heart. And that's why I'm like super passionate about it. Cause I'm like, I just want people to be aware and I want people, I want women to have the right resources. I want them to be told the truth by the doctors. I want them to have to read an entire waiver of what the consequences could be. And then after that, then it's their choice. And, yep. and, and that's okay, whatever that choice is. And again, I respect everyone for what their choice is, but I just want people to have the information. Yeah, it's it's so important to be educated before you make such a huge decision like this mm-hmm. and to like look at it more of a big decision. I think that so many women, it's been so normalized in our society mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. seems like such an easy decision to make when really it should it should hold so much more weight and gravity yeah Yeah. I mean for me it was like I was I remember just being like like I went in by myself I went into Mm -hmm. I went into the hospital by myself and told my friend like hey can you pick me up and he's like what's going on and I'm like oh I'm just getting some implants in like it was was like like yeah nothing it was like you know and I just look back and I'm like I'm like wow you were pretty ballsy for a 23 year old like you know you had a lot of courage back then just to, like yeah. go under and it was like nothing and and um and yeah I'm pretty sure I took an uber home from mine so yeah, yeah I, I get I feel that it's uh <laughs> crazy how we're like yeah I'm just doing this it's no big yeah. deal yeah totally can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you did um, to help your body detox? Mm-hmm. I know that you're a holistic nutritionist as well. And so this is, um, you know, your background is in uh, holistic yeah. modalities to heal the body. And I think that this is a conversation that's not had as much as like, mm-hmm. once you get the implants out, there's still work to be done mm-hmm. to undo what the toxicity that they created in the body. Yeah. yeah so I want to preface this with like, I'm not medically licensed. Like I am. Yeah. A health coach, yeah. and so I, you know, this is all personal of what I've, I did. Um, and again, I think it's really, really important. The first step, I think it's really important to find a functional or integrative doctor who understands breast implant illness, who can run the right tests um, and can kind of see where you were before you get the implants out right after you get the implant or right before you get the, yeah, right before and then after, and then, you know, can kind of track as you heal um, because there's so many variables that are taking place as your body heals. And I think some people get so discouraged. I think there are women that all of a sudden feel instantly better. And then there are the women who 
who struggle for a little bit and it takes yeah. a lot longer. And so wherever you are in that process, um, I do think it's very important to have a medically licensed functional or integrative doctor um, helping you through this. And so for me, what I found out was that during my explant, I had my doctor, she was amazing. Her name was Dr. Casalis. She did a pathology report where she um, checked not only the what was happening on the implant, but also in the tissue around the implant. So I found out I had not only a P acne biofilm that was surrounding my implant, which was suppressing my immune system, I also, my body was breaking down my implant. And so she found foreign tissue in the surrounding implant. So not only did I have to detox out the biofilm, I also needed to detox out this foreign object, the silicone that my body was breaking down. Mm. And the crazy part about it was that in, on an MRI, it showed no rupture, no issues, came back perfect, intact. And so for me, it, it was very much a almost a celebration when I heard that from her because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Like I have this biofilm on my body and my body's breaking down my implant. And she was like, yeah, your body's yeah. so strong that it literally was breaking down your implant. And so um, for me, it, it was a process where I really took it slow and I was, there was this gradual process of healing. And um, I did everything from like saunas to ozone, um, to yeah, ozone treatment, to glutathione injections, to IVs, to hyperbolic chambers, um, light therapy. Um, and I did quite a bit of like just just visualization and meditation around my body knowing exactly what it needed to do to detox mm. um and then lots of supplements you know I, I and on top of that a complete heavy metal protocol so when i got my implants out i did testing and found out my heavy metals were through the roof and many of them were the same heavy metals that you find in the implants that I had. And so it was not shocking to me, but it was also very terrifying to me because I just know the consequence of getting these heavy metals out of your system can be pretty toxic on the body um, mm -hmm. and can kind of take you down. And so I did a very structured and scheduled protocol of chelation and suppositories and um, not fun. No, <laughs> not a fun process. Uh, and um, herbal remedies, yeah, and then sprays, and um, and this is all done through a practitioner, of course. I also did acupuncture. I did a lot of Chinese herbs, um, lots of breath work, yoga, sweat rooms, sweating, sweating it all out, um, and I had to just again. This is like again the conversation of the consequence, right? I had to take time off work right before I got my implants out because I was so sick. And this last year has been, yeah, has been one of those years where you're like, yeah, I can't go out every night and have fun with my friends because I'm detoxing. I have to really take care of my body. I know we were having this conversation before we got on this podcast, like the fires just started in California and, um, and they're right next to my home. And because I've been detoxing so heavily, I had like, I evacuated, I left, I got air filters, I had. To, I did the whole protocol. I was doing a whole detox protocol for all the fires because I was just so nervous about the fact that like my body has already been detoxing all of this out that I wanted to be like extra careful during this time. Um, and this takes time away from your work. It takes time away from 
you know, the experiences that you want to have in life and the fun and the joy and so forth. And so there's a time cost, there's a money cost, there's an energy cost. Um, you know, there's a delay in, you know, your ability to interact with relationships, community, friends, family until you get better. And I didn't realize how much work this was going to be. Like I never thought, okay, it's going to be a year of my life that I'm going to have to be doing this every day. I just, yeah. I just thought it would be much faster. And even though my symptoms were gone, the test results of my gut um, from my GI tract, from my, uh, my heavy metals, my adrenals were burned out. Like all of those tests came back really significantly um, not great. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was like, I need to tackle this like straight on. And luckily now I just did retesting and my heavy metals are almost back to normal. And, you know, all the things are finally in balance, which makes me feel so proud that I, you know, so proud and grateful that I did take the time because I'm like, wow, your body can heal if you just do what you need to do. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it, it's important because this isn't talked about. Like a lot of women think that they'll get their implants out and feel better immediately. But for, mm-hmm. I, I'd say the vast majority of people, there is a lot of um, really intentional structured detoxing that needs to be mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm especially, you know, correlated to the length of time that you've had them in for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, everyone is different. Like I have an MTFR mutation, so my body doesn't detox as easily as other people. And I've just always been a very highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And so for me, again, I just notice, you know, a detox protocol is going to be very, a very, very different experience for me than other people. And, um, and again, we have to look at like the bio, the bio individuality component where everyone is different. We all have different mutations. We all have different gene snips. Like we all, you know, interact with things differently and we have to respect that we're different than the girls sitting next to us and that our body might respond differently. And I think when we get the implant out, well, I've seen this with so many women, they get the implants out, they don't get better. then they create a story of shame and guilt that they made the wrong decision or that they're shameful about the fact that their body isn't responding like other women, Mm -hmm. which the emotion of shame, guilt, fear, anger that stores in your body is just as bad as having your implants in. You know, it's it's like when you hold that emotion in your body on a consistent basis, your immune system cannot respond in a positive way. And so we have to, again, look at, am I sending my body gratitude and love and thanking it for still being here even after I put these implants out, took them out, put them through, put my body through anesthesia, like came out, you know, we have to give our bodies patience. And again, this isn't an instant gratification process for most. I think, I think for most it it takes time and that doesn't mean you need to have all the financial resources to do the, do the crazy amount of detoxing. But I think if you can get on a really amazing supplement protocol, um, have a functional medicine doctor at least, you know, once or twice a year doing running tests and, and advising which direction to go. I think it makes a massive, massive difference. Huge. Yeah. And to your point too, finding, um, finding ways to sweat. Mm -hmm. If you can do infrared sauna, that's awesome. But like finding ways to really like help facilitate your body and pulling, pulling these toxins out and releasing them. Yeah. And the infrared sauna, I actually um, have been told to not to do it until you get your implants out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah, again, I think we have to remember that these implants are tested in regular temperature, not in someone's body, you know, at a heightened temperature and then also not in a sauna. And so I think these are things that we never think about, right? That, that heat can actually disrupt, you know, the plastic and, and leak, leak toxins even more. Yeah, absolutely. Something else, um, you know, one of my main intentions with this series is to really just provide um, a resource and answers for women out there who um, either, you know, are, are considering getting implants or have implants already and are considering getting them taken out and, um, you know, have questions about the process. Because for me, I had my implants removed about a little over two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there wasn't really a lot of conversation happening online about breast implant illness. I had never actually heard of anybody getting their implants removed mm-hmm. um, until, you know, kind of like you said earlier, synchronicity, divine grace. Like I came across one woman online who shared her story and reaching out to her um, and asking all my questions was a huge factor in giving me the the confidence and courage I, I needed to go yeah. through with the surgery. Mm-hmm. So that is a big intention of this as well, is, is answering those questions that are coming up a lot. And I know a lot of women want to know a little bit more about like what the explant process is like physically mm-hmm. for different mm-hmm. women, like what the healing process looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I've been exploring with different women on the show. Like, you know, the um, the, the scars, if the scars are worse, if, you know, the conversation about whether or not to get a lift, um, how long the physical healing takes apart from the detox process, but like just at the incision site and, you know, that, that conversation. Yeah. So I can share my, my experience. Right. Cause uh, it's different for everyone. want to put that out there. Yeah. It's definitely very different for everyone. And I think, I think, what happens, which I find, is that we get so paralyzed, if that's the right word. So there's a marketing term that if you give people too many options, they won't make a choice. Yep. And I think what happens with this sort of topic where there's not a lot of licensed medical practitioners having the conversation when there's a lot of, not a lot of awareness, when there's not a lot of research, when there's not a lot of... Uh, yeah, when there's just not a lot of yes versus no, like we don't, there's no concrete answers. The challenge becomes that we get paralyzed because we're like, what happened to her? What happened to her? What's her story? And Mm -hmm. I did this before I got surgery. Like I, there's a Facebook group, which you probably have shared and it has like a hundred thousand women in it. And I went through and I read like, you know, so many of their stories and I started projecting like my own insecurities on it. And I'm like, okay, well, what if that happens to me? What if I have this same experience? What if I don't? And so I just want to preface this conversation, this part of the conversation with the fact that like, sometimes we get so paralyzed from our own truth and our own intuition, because we're like looking at everyone else's story. And when someone else has a bad story, we take that on to become our truth. Mm. If that makes sense. And so my greatest blessing in this whole thing was the fact that like, as soon as I made a choice to get my, get them out, because I was like my health, my livelihood, who I am as a person and what I want to do in terms of impacting the world with my business, I'm not going to be able to do with these implants in. And so once I made the choice, I strictly focused on positive. 
like everything. I turned off all of the sites about what was happening with all the other women. Mm-hmm. I made it very clear that I was going to have an amazing surgery, that this was the decision for me, that I had chosen the right doctor. And every time something came up for me that was a doubt, I had to keep replacing it with a new story. Um, something else that I researched, which is really powerful, is that when you actually draw, physically draw out what you want to happen in the surgery room. So I like drew out like stick figures of myself and my husband being there and my dogs and like the, the surgeon and the anesthesiologist, like when you actually physically draw it out on paper and you see them smiling and I like, and I like would write next to it, like, this is the best surgery ever. Like this went so easy. Like Sarah's healthy now. And like, I, I literally drew out the entire experience. I researched that when you do that, you actually create the energy or the vibration that your body already knows what's going to happen. And you have less bleeding, less infection, less um, immune disorder response and so forth. And so (laughs) I did all this. And for me, the explant surgery was easy and amazing. And I can't say that it was for sure because of of that, but it was just something that I made a conscious choice that like, I'm going to be positive throughout this whole thing and I'm going to hold that vision. And so I went into surgery in the morning. I came out a couple hours later and I, um, I stayed at this like outpatient center for a day. Um, I did drink a ton of bone broth, lots of coconut water, lots of electrolytes, things like that. And I got to go home and within three or four days I was back up and going and within six weeks working out again um, and feeling really great. And so for me, that was my personal experience and it wasn't challenging or hard. It was actually, it felt very much like going under and coming out um, with them in. Um, It just felt like I was lighter and, um, and yeah, it didn't feel like all of a sudden there was like this added weight that my body needed to compensate for. Um, in terms of scars, I decided to get a lift based on my, uh, doctor's recommendations. I also decided to not do fat transfer. It was something that I was considering. Um, and I decided not to do it last minute, um, just for personal choice. I just don't have enough research or know enough about it yet to, to deem it as a good choice. I just that's my own personal experience. Um, I didn't, I I didn't feel like I had enough information to make that choice one way or the other at that time. Um, and the scars, there are, you know, there are scars and they, um, they're not horrible. They're scars. And like, I just view them as like beauty scars. Like they're just there reminding me that, that, um, yeah, that I had this experience and they're not bad and they're, you know, you can't see, like you, you can barely see them, but they're there of course. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that perspective too, because I think that that really is the case when you are so connected to knowing that this is the truth for you, knowing that this is the decision you want to make and knowing that getting your implants removed is, is absolutely the, the truest, you know, next step Mm -hmm. for you, then the surgery is much smoother. It goes much more smoothly and, and you just have this more positive outlook and perspective on it all that facilitates um, an easier, easier recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important for women to 
tune into mm-hmm. um, rather than tuning into the fear of like what could happen, how they could look. Um, it's just, it's so much healthier mentally and emotionally to be in a space of like, nope, I know this is right for me and it's going to go well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will not lie and say like, oh, I missed them filling out you know, my bathing suit, I had to give away a bunch of bathing suits. Like, <laughs> you know, like I miss that, you know, certain dresses I just can't wear anymore. And with that said, like, I don't miss any of the symptoms. I don't yeah. miss feeling like shit. I don't miss feeling sick. And so I don't think it's wrong that our mind goes to a place of, oh, I wish that they were there. Or I wish that I still had them. Like, I think we have to be honest and truthful with ourselves. And I don't think that there's any, like saying, like for me to sit here and say like, oh, I, I like don't miss them at all would be a complete lie. You know, like I think it's okay to say there's moments that I feel sad they're gone. There's moments that I have to look in the mirror and tell myself I still love myself. There's moments that I questioned and, and I started to question because a lot of women were asking me like, what does your husband think about them? Like mm-hmm. I questioned like, what is my husband going to think? Um, but these are just stories and their thoughts in our mind and it's how we act from them that matters. So you can have the thought of, oh, I wish that my dress, my dress looked different. And then in that moment you get the choice. Like, do I want to feel like shit the rest of the night? Or do I want to say, fuck yeah, I'm going to put on a different dress and look hot and like feel yep. good and like be confident in my body. And like, like, be proud of the fact that like I had an implant, I had an explant, like I'm alive and I can talk about it. Like you get to choose the direction that you go from any thought that you have. And that thought that you think is yours, it actually isn't yours. It's probably because some other girl said something online that triggered that thought. But, But again, you get the power of choice. And I think that it's really important for us to say, yeah, there's moments that I'm, I'm sad. Like when, you know, when I'm in a bathing suit, there's a moment where I'm like, oh, I wish that I still had them. And I'm not going to not go swimming today. Like I have this life to live and I'm going to feel good in it. And that's our choice. And we get to choose that all day long. And we get to choose how we direct our emotions and then direct our behavior and our habits. And Mm. I've just really, really been conscious that every time a thought comes in that like, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, I'm not lovable, I'm not sexy, I'm not you know, good enough for my husband or good enough for even my career because of my implants. I'm like, oh, that's a lie. Yep. Like that's <laughs> someone who told me that when I was 20 years old. Like that's a fucking lie. <laughs> just yeah, like, and I choose just not to buy into it anymore. Totally, totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, hopefully that will be empowering to some women because I know that you can go down that rabbit hole very quickly. Yep. So you've really, you've touched on this all throughout our, our conversation, which I think is so important, but just as some kind of final parting words, what would you say to first to any woman who is considering getting implants put in mm-hmm. and then to any women, woman who is considering getting implants taken out? Okay. This is a great question. So for any woman that's getting them in, um, there is a famous plastic surgeon, his name's Max Maxwell, I think, um, but he he had said, and he turned self-help author and he, you can probably Google him and and find his whole story. But he, um, he said that most of the women that he interviewed after they got implants didn't gain the self-esteem that they were looking for from coming in. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the conversation we were having earlier, just get really clear and conscious and truthful with yourself about why you want them. And if the reason is for anything 
outside of yourself. Like any reason that you um, feel like you're unworthy of something because, and the implant will bring that to you, start to question your worth, define where it actually is coming from and get some support on actually attracting what you want now. And then once you have those things, really make a decision if you still want them. That would be my, my encouragement. Um, and for the woman who has them now, I think it's really important that you become very in tune and in your body. And what I mean by that is we can't get freedom from our body unless we know what it's like to be in our body. So we don't know what, what's actually happening or if our implants are making us sick unless we start to listen to what's actually happening. And that takes courage. It takes the ability to disconnect from the world. It takes the ability to look within. It takes the ability to confront your own truth through meditation and mindfulness. Um, and again, just connecting to yourself, hearing your body, listening. And for some women, your implants might not be making you sick. And for others, you might be denying that they are. And then for others, you might be ready to get them out. But you can't act on any of those beliefs that are your truths unless you, again, step into that courage, that place of willingness to say, okay, this is my truth and my truth only, and I'm ready and willing to make that choice. That's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your story. Again, I think it's so important that we continue to have conversations like these just so that more women out there can get access to um, information to, to make a a better informed decision for themselves. I agree. I agree. And that's why I think sometimes, you know, if you're a woman listening to this, you might be like, wow, this is really intense. And like, yeah, you know, this is an insane, like really intense, insane conversation. And like, now I feel like even worse, or I feel triggered, or I feel, feel scared. And, and I just want to say that those, those feelings are okay. And it's okay to have have disconnect and discomfort around this conversation because it's not an easy one. It's not easy for you to have this conversation. It's not easy often for me to have this conversation, but it's important that we do. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to find out more about your story or about your coaching practice or any of the things that you do, where can they find you? Yeah. So I would love to connect with anyone at um, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Anne, A-N-N-E, Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, um, on Instagram. And if you just message me there, I can send you all the details of anything else that you're looking or support or answer questions and so forth. Perfect. We will um, make sure to link that in the show notes. So um, anybody who's listening, definitely go follow Sarah on Instagram um, so you can connect with her and um, find out more about the things that she's up to. Um, thank you again, Sarah, for coming on today. So appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you to everybody who tuned in today. Um, if you know anybody who would benefit from hearing Sarah's story or this series on breast implants and breast implant illness, um, I, I highly encourage you to share this episode and this series with them so that they can get access to these stories and conversations um, as well. And if you haven't already, um, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, um, and tune in next time. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day.